This is part one of a four-part podcast. Hi, my name is Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. Okay, it's recording. You can tell because the numbers are going. <laughs> See, Sam? Oh, I love how you open these podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what, that, way, that way people know what they're about to get. <laughs> um, yes. <clears throat> All right, this podcast has been a long time in the making. A lot of it has been that um, I'm going through, like, as it's happening, my sentiment is, what the fuck is happening? What what just happened there? What? Why would that person say that or do that or whatever? So at first, and then the other thing is, is that once I did start to get some inkling of what was happening, then people were like wanting, they were asking me, what the fuck is happening? And then I'm kind of like, dumb fuckery. I mean, you know, and they're like, oh, you have to address this. You have to. And it's like, no, I don't. It's stupid. And then in the end... Uh, not only did we have overwhelming sentiment of like you need to re- respond to this, and I've been avoiding it, but uh, but in the end, it's kind of like, you know, a lot of this stuff is stuff that we should put into a podcast. Not the and 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 I I think that we've done a good job of making it not so much an airing of dirty laundry thing, as much of a how do you solve community issues thing. And what are some community issues? I think a lot of this stuff is like community 3.0 where it's like a lot of people are aware of the problems of community 1.0 and then they uh, come up with a community 2.0 solution and they're not aware of the problems with with community 2.0 and granted I'm not saying that that this is all going to work and that this is the grand recipe I'm saying it's a work in progress yeah but uh, once again, I'm going to say that I believe that 95% of all the problems to figure out in the world of permaculture is in the world of community. And and a big part of what Mollison wrote about is you're going to replace petroleum with people. And just to catch up, folks, there might be some people that jump into this podcast without listening to any of the 300-odd other podcasts that are out there. So <laughs> so you're Paul Wheaton, and I'm Jocelyn Campbell, and the community we live at is called Wheaton Labs. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, the briefest of brief orientations for people who might be new to your podcast. But Wheaton Labs was purchased in 2013. And um, so we've been here four years now, um, and we've tried several different kind of iterations of community so far. True, true. I want to go back to the thing I was just saying about yeah. how Mollison asks us to uh, replace petroleum with people. Yeah. And there's the, the flip side to that is petroleum does not have any in-person drama. Um, petroleum doesn't cry. 
uh, petroleum uh, uh, doesn't um, demand a free PDC. Um, petroleum doesn't um, uh, demand all kinds of things. I mean, basically the thing is, is petroleum sits in a little bucket until you use petroleum in your tractor, and it's very, very predictable. However, I have decided that I agree with Mollison, and I wish to create uh, food systems where I've replaced petroleum with human beings. And... Um, so this is our our ongoing experiment now, and then of course, if you know, people have not listened to this podcast before, then um, I think that when it comes to community, I have some pretty epic cred. Uh, um, not only have I lived in multiple different communities, in, including consensus-based communities and things like that, which of course I'm not advocating at this point in time, but uh, I served on a community incubator board. And um, I've hosted a bunch of community uh, pu- like public events, um, and uh, and I don't know. I've I believe I've moved way beyond that, and I am pursuing an an angle of thought. And I've got some. I think I've got some previous podcasts on community that are, at the very least, extremely interesting. And and I believe rather profound. I'm thinking mostly of like the the 540 plates of food kind of right. a thing. Um, well, and you've written extensively about it out at Permies. Um, true. And, and is is the bit, do you have a big article at Rich Soil? The Dictator Independent Consensus Hybrid. I think that's all at Permies. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. Not, I can't remember if it's at Permies or at Rich Soil, but it's at one or the other. Yeah. I mean, but I think if you just search for it, it'll, right. it'll come up with it. Yeah. But, and of course, I've managed two very large online communities for decades. Mm-hmm. And and so for online communities, I also have some experience. And the fact that they are large and massive, I mean, so many people uh, come to, like, for example, the Permies community, and, and we've had literally more than a thousand. I want to say thousands, and I think thousands is legit, but definitely more than a thousand people who have made it very clear that the way I manage my forums is incorrect and yet somehow mysteriously they're the largest permaculture forums so um and we've seen a lot of other forums either just dwindle in size down to practically nothing or disappear entirely so dive in diving in um okay what are we trying to accomplish Uh, a great example of what we're trying to accomplish is rocket mass heaters converting to a rocket mass heater can reduce your carbon footprint as much as parking seven cars it can save thousands of dollars for some people uh thousands of dollars per year so we fight 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 to get rocket mass heaters into more brains. Why is it not getting into more brains? Uh, you know, there's, there's war and pollution that are energy based, you know, problems. And, uh, then there's just the whole thing about staying warm in a way that you can do if, if there's, uh, collapse or if you're broke, if you're, you know, independently collapsed or whatever. Um, and so it's kind of like we're trying really hard to get rocket mass heaters to more brains. Um, as we explore petroleum footprint issues, the two biggest fixes are gardens and community. And I've written a, a massive article on that. Uh, maybe I should mash it into a podcast soon. Um, uh, but these two things, so gardening and community, it solves a bunch of problems. 
Right. So we've <laughs> we've done a lot to try to educate um, and bring people through the property that might like to stay at the property. So we've been educating and bringing people through and, and trying to build infrastructure to handle all these people. And it's it's the challenges <laughs> have been huge. And um, we're still not where we'd ideally you're, like to be. You're expressing your gardener's shame. <laughs> I, well, I think that's what you're doing. That's well, a common criticism of Wheaton Labs is they're not even they don't even have chickens yet. You no, know, we don't have chickens. Mm-hmm. Um, we have produced hundreds and hundreds of pounds of food, but mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, our gardening systems are not where I want them to be, and it has to do with the fact that it's like. Permaculture is a perennial system, and in order to have massive-scale permaculture systems, you need to have uh, permies living on site. And so we have been focusing on natural building first, because once you have the natural building in place, then you can have your gardeners you know, living on site, right. and then the, then the gardens happen. So, so far, there, there are a lo- there's been a lot of things that have been planted, but without putting a fence around it, you're just feeding the deer. Right. Well, yeah. Now, I came to permaculture from gardening, but community is the bigger problem to solve. And I think we're close to solving the community problem, and I think that what we're about to go through is going to demonstrate how close we are. I think we're doing, I think that what we're about to do, go through, is going to show that we're doing actually a really good job. And now, and, and we still need some improvement. We still need some polish. But I think we are on a great track right now. And so, um, all right. For Wheaton Labs, the idea is twofold. Uh, number one, Move a collection of permaculture styles and ideas forward and to create a community that is bonkers about permaculture. And number two, if this is a success, maybe this style can be rubber stamped onto hundreds of thousands of properties. I, I think that um, there are a lot of people that want to either will their land to others or they they have land and they want more to happen but for reasons they can't and and it's like but in the and then there's people that dabble in woofing they like bring in woofers and then they're like I'm never going to do that again and it's kind of like can we come up with a recipe where they bring in maybe gappers and then and it works out and then the the gappers are like that was awesome. And then the people, the farmers are like, that was awesome. I'm going to be the glossary interruptus. Okay. Gapper is a term we've used here, which means goofy about permaculture. It's someone who comes here and and wants to learn and, and is here for the educational process and they help us with projects and we give, and in exchange, they get some room and, and board. Uh, woofers are, the definition keeps changing or did, I'm not sure, it's close to worldwide opportunities on organic farms. It's also a work to learn kind of situation and a lot of people with farms and food systems have woofers out who basically get room and board for learning and helping on the farm. Um, so it's a you know, a lot of people, that's how they travel the world, is they go 
and how they learn a lot about different food systems. Um, why don't people do more community now? And I, I think the answer to that is just drama. Um, I mean, I think a lot of us, uh, I know I have, I think you have. I imagine nearly everybody listening to this podcast right now, at some point in their youth, um, like rented a house with friends. And then within four months, those people are no longer your friends. <laughs> well, and even I'm, even in a marriage, you know, when you share a household with other humans, um, there's conflict over, you know, you didn't pick up your dirty socks. You didn't change the toilet paper. And no, in, in fact, I think that a lot of the people that believe that they don't care for me, which I totally get that. No, no problem. Um, then, uh, that they are certain that there is no person on earth who could, who could stand being around me for more than a few minutes. And, um, from their perspective, that's entirely true. Um, but the thing is, I'm not trying to bring, uh, 400 million people onto this one property. I'm looking for just a few dozen. And, and if nothing else, the, there is evidence in this podcast. I'm thinking of you. <laughs> you, you've tolerated my presence for over nine years. So it's, yes. it's a, it's a, a thing that can be done. <laughs> and, um, and I don't get the impression that you're looking for the door. I'm not. Yeah. And so it, it seems like to, and that's another thing too, is that with these podcasts, I've gotten emails from people that listen to the podcasts. And, um, I, there was one from like the very beginning of the podcast, like, month two of podcasts and uh, this woman sent an email and she says you know where I live I feel all alone all day long every day is lonely because I just feel like I'm the only person in my skin who has any of the thoughts that I have and that my podcast makes it so there's at least one other person in the world that thinks the same way that she does. And so I kind of, at some point in time, I said, there's 12 people out there that listen to my podcasts and they think I'm fucking awesome just the way that I am. And to, and to stay the way that I am, don't listen to the people that are not like me that, that insist I have to live a different life. And really, this is part of that. It, yeah. And it's like, how do we, this is what our podcast today is about. Yeah. How do I make this work out for the people that are a fit? And then, and what needs to happen? What, what's important to be here is that if somebody thinks they're a fit and then they come here and they discover that they're not a fit, that human nature says that they are supposed to point at me and say ugly things. Um, and, uh, uh or, or that if they're not a fit, then, the, then their mission is to somehow make it so that I become their personal puppet and then I will behave the way that they command and then everything will be okay. All I got to do is allow smoking, allow pot, allow all the things I don't, I'm not comfortable with allowing. Uh, allow pesticides, perhaps. Will it eventually get to the point that somebody is going to say you have to allow pesticides? Well, and I'm totally not cool with that. And there, the, there's more that has happened than just those gonna, examples. And we're, we're going to get to it. Yeah, yeah. 
but but I think that's what we're going to we're going to be covering a lot of this, and it's like yeah. okay, so human nature happens, yeah. and so you know let's let's explore it. Yes. All right. So um, why don't more people do this because of drama? Uh, some people live in private homes and apartments and eat food from little frozen microwaves. That should be little microwave boxes, rather than living in a community made of gardeners and people who love to cook. And of course, the reason why they live alone, so they are a gardener or they are a person who wants to live in community, but they tried it and then they, then they made a different choice. They said, I just, I just want to have a lovely day every day. Okay. And if I have to be totally alone to just have a little bit of peace, then, then that's going to be my play. Now, of course, Hollywood and, and television are full of stories of, of where the loner meets human beings and, and everything works out. And it's like, yes, there are lovely, beautiful, wonderful stories of community forming naturally and it being wonderful. And then there are those, like the ones we're going to share today, where, um, and in fact, we've done, there's you and I here, and you're, you're exposed to <laughs> a hundred times more of me than, than Fred is, and Fred's <laughs> here. And, and you know, distance is one of the things that makes things work, that lubricates all relationships. Well, this is something else we know we need more of here at Wheaton Labs, is this whole concept you've had recently of more and less really oh yeah you know so so i'm an introvert and i I, i'm somewhat of a social introvert and we don't know what you are you're just (laughs) you're just you whatever it is that i am we don't know but um there are times you want more community you want more social opportunities you want to be able to find a partner or you want more and more like-minded people, especially like, like the podcast listeners who don't know anybody who are into these things and think this way. You want more of that and sometimes you do want less, as in you want more personal space and to be able to have your own space that's not shared in your own little retreat. And, and we are limited on housing. And, yeah. and, and so there's not a lot of personal space for people. Like if, if a tent is enough personal space for you, we have lots of room to pitch tents and well, kind of get privacy that way. But, you know, the, this is a good time to point out that, uh, the red cabin has a brand new rocket mass heater. It's amazing. It's beautiful. You can see pictures on Permies. We have a video on YouTube. Um, and then also the Love Shack, which didn't have a heat source up until, uh, the Jamboree and right. now has a heat source. Um, and now the difficulty is those are still Wheaton Lab spaces that are on the tour. Yeah. Unless, unless someone paid plenty of rent, unless someone paid enough rent that we take it off the tour, and I don't even know if we'd get to that stage, but it's very, very difficult for most people to keep a space always rent-ready. So that's a challenge. When you were saying tent, I was thinking like a lot of people love to have a tent, 
Yeah. Because they can make it into their own little personal pigsty wallow. They fill it with their own personal treasures, which the rest of us would call garbage. <laughs> and and it's yeah. like now now they don't have to worry about being clean and tidy. They can, and and they've got a place that they can go to live their style, <laughs> which well. which is not on camera. Yeah. Um, which is so important for some people. Yeah. 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 So there, there are challenges here, to be sure. The less and more is something we're looking at more and more. We'd also like, uh, so base camp is a big rock. It doesn't have as much lush growth as lab. So sometimes it can even be hard to find a private space outdoors here at base camp. So we'd love more little, you know, gazebo-ish oh. retreats or... Whatever, all around base camp. And and we're gonna we're getting more structures. We're setting up workshops. Yes. There's gonna be a lot of workshops announced uh, for 2018. Yes. People have opened their homes and properties to others, and then months or years later, closed them. Uh, they build with the idea of community, and then choose to leave that community space vacant. I mean, we've been to a lot of different communities, mm-hmm. and um, we've we've also seen a lot of empty buildings that were mm-hmm. community buildings. Uh, so they're out there. Um, uh, and then on, at the same time, we've met tons of people that are like saying, "Yeah, we're not doing woofers anymore. Um, we're not, you know, we're not doing farmhands anymore. We're not. We've just decided to not go that path anymore." Um, so there's there's a lot of that, and it's like I would love to come up with a solution that works not only for us but but also for them. The upsides are huge and obvious. Although I do think we should make a podcast someday to just to just list off the upsides of, hmm. of community for those that might be curious. Okay. Hmm. Um, I kind of think that the thing you got to do is you have to have a media room, and then you all watch a movie together, and then there's a popcorn fight. That's what popcorn's for. It's for throwing at other people in the little theater. I see. Which is why you probably don't want to butter the popcorn. I see. Yeah. Okay. Which, by the way, this is this might be a good time to point out that I'm sorry I haven't had more podcasts lately, but um, two years ago, I have never, as an adult, been to a hospital, and then um, and then it was about. A, almost two years ago that suddenly I'm in a hospital for um, junk in my spinal cord, touching my spinal cord. And now... Your disc burst and... Yeah. Had pressure on your spinal cord. Ah, don't touch that! Don't touch my spinal cord! So, and then this year I've been learning all about gallstones and gout. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I, I felt like a whiner until I read a thing on the internet that said that, uh, there's women who've done both the birth thing and the gallstone thing. And they said the gallstone thing was far more painful. One, one woman said she'd rather give birth to a thousand babies than have one more gallstone pass. But, but that's another discussion for another day. Yeah. Well, the, that's. The key is, it's been sucking up a lot of my time. That's rather impeded, uh, a lot of things. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, so the, the great problem to solve. How do we reduce the drama issue 90% or more? Now, I kind of feel like in a lot of ways, we had very little direct drama. And I think, I think that right now, if some other farm rubber stamped what we have 
or I'm going to say what what we had last May, that the amount of drama that they would have would actually be very minuscule. Um, the only reason why our drama is significant is because um, I have a certain level of fame. I have a certain so it's like uh, 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 people often uh, wish to they they they're, they're position is, and this is I want to say it's very frequent. It's more frequent. I think it's more frequent than it is for a normal person. And that, but it, but it's like you can verify it. And that is that people tell me, you you have to do what I say or else. Now, um, I'm going to say that I probably get that a hundred times a year. Is that an exaggeration? Oh, probably not at all. Not with all the people you deal with online. Yeah. Um, at least a hundred times a year, if not more. So, you know, let alone in person. I mean, uh, since your spinal cord issue two years ago, uh, we have not had as many people at the property until like, so most of 2016, we didn't have many people at the property because you were recovering and it took us a while to catch up on a lot of things. Yeah. But this year, 2017, we had bigger events again. So we had more people through the property this year. And so, um, gosh, the first year we were here, we probably had 200 people through the property. So between all the people in person and then thousands more online it's got to be more it's got to be more than a hundred times a year people well because that's it's surprising how many people communicate that way they move immediately to demands or emotional ploys to get their way instead of just discussing something Right, making a suggestion. Right, and and then there's even you know even making a suggestion. I I mean, it's, it seems to be rare that somebody makes a suggestion. But what a lovely uh, the suggestions are great. But what's really great is when people have like listened to all the podcasts, mm-hmm. and then they love to talk about stuff, mm-hmm. and then they make they make a suggestion like, hey hey hey, you know what would be cool? Yeah, you know that's great. And usually the people that are saying, do as I say or else, have not listened to any of the podcasts. Uh, they may have seen two or three videos, um, and they've read very little. They really don't know much about what we're trying to accomplish or trying to do. And they, they, they make a, their suggestion, or not their suggestion, their command, their dictate, uh, turns out to be really shallow and it, and it oftentimes already proven to not work. Yeah, I'm. I'm just surprised. Uh, you would think we're more modern or more advanced or more enlightened than that, but so many people use hostility to get their way. So <sighs> exactly, yeah, it's oh, it, it's just shocking to me. Like really, really. <laughs> and some people, it's just like hard language. Yeah, you have to do it. Yeah. You have to. There's no other way, and that's all that they do. But, of course, we're going to talk about a couple that came here, and I believe it was the most hostile we've ever seen. It was it, – it, it, uh, they have a YouTube channel, and um, they seem like such sweet, lovely people. And I was warned about them before they arrived, and I had no – wow, wow. That was, that was the most hostile we've ever had here. 
I'm trying to think if I've ever seen, I mean, they didn't actually hit me. Although for a moment, I thought he was going to hit me. And, um, but, uh, I don't know, usually nobody hits a giant. <laughs> I mean, you gotta, you gotta just think that's not going to end well for you. <laughs> but, but, you know, and you were in a whole other room and you could hear it. And I remember later you told me that you had to come out for something, but you elected to just hide. I mean, it was, yeah, it was brutal. Yeah. And there was somebody else in the room when she got started and he split because that was too much. It's like something out of cops or or some kind of crazy crazy drama show like like from a nut house or something like you'd see in a movie somebody being that whoa. Okay. So, but we're going to get into that much later. Um comedy angle. <laughs> We are experimenting with community. I suppose that one could suggest that we are, therefore, experimenting on human beings. <laughs> <laughs> and so, human beings, it turns out, can be really weird with that. <laughs> hey, man. That's, That's not cool, up. man. You can't experiment on people, man. That's messed up. <laughs> well, they volunteered for it, sort of. <laughs> okay. At first, I wasn't going to do this podcast because this stuff is obviously stupid. The more that time passed, the more we felt that there was some really substantial homesteading and permaculture things to address that we have not covered in previous podcasts. So uh, uh, let stupid shit be your guide. And so I, I do think that we're making lemonade here. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it's good that you're addressing all of this um, because people, there are really good, decent people who who want to know kind of more the ins and outs of what happened. And, it, and it's educational. And as it was happening, I, I couldn't, people wanted to know. And I had to tell them, well, I want to know too. I'm baffled. And, right. and, um, uh, it's, it's still odd, but, but let's go through. Okay. Yeah. We got, we've got, okay. Here are the uh, opening statements for the Ant Village site. So this is about Ant Village, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think like, is it, and well, there's going to be a little bit that got out of Ant Village and we're going to, we're going to talk about that. Um, but, well, starting with Ant Village. Uh, there's, if you look at the Ant Village thread, it says at the very beginning, I'm going to just read this opening statement. Um, the mission of Ant Village from my perspective. And so this is, I wrote this. I wish to build the future of permaculture. My first thought is, entice the best people in permaculture to come here. They will influence each other and in time, what they do will be better and better. But, of course, the reason they are the best is that they already have a rich history somewhere else. And rather than starting over, they would rather add to what they've already built. My second thought is, then I will grow my own experts from scratch. We're back to this uh, experiments on human beings. Uh. (laughs) It might take 5, 10, or even 20 years. But permaculture is about patience. People that are bonkers about permaculture could come and start to create their own patch of permaculture paradise. As the years pass, they have more and more skills. Maybe some will become natural builders. Maybe some will grow the most amazing gardens. Maybe some will set a new bar for animal care. 
And of course, oh, and we want to make that podcast about the song of increase. Right. Speaking of setting a new bar for animal care. Mm-hmm. And of course, some will demonstrate a path of simplicity and peace. It is impossible to predict what will come of this project, but one can be certain that you will get nothing if you try nothing. So more about, and this is where I got some links, more about the greater mission. So there's a link to the greater mission. Uh, Simbu, so a, a general format that I want for the lab. Mm-hmm. Rehusp. Gert. So I think I've made a podcast about Gert. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, how community like this might cut a petroleum footprint 90%, cut a carbon footprint 90%, and solve most of the world's problems. So there's that's like six or seven links. All right. I bought the land. I have tried hundreds of things with the help of hundreds of people. Systems have been dreamt up and polished. The Ant Village Project runs in the red, but I do think this path will be the foundation for the future of permaculture and maybe someday a template for hundreds of other property owners when they choose replace petroleum and chemag systems with permaculture. The mission of Ant Village from the perspective of a potential ant. Start with an acre of raw land, build a fence, plant a garden, build a crappy shelter. Use your new skills to build a better shelter next year. In time, have a nice shelter, a magnificent garden. You have food and shelter. Optimize your permaculture systems. In time, can you feed more people? Do you have permaculture-based income streams? Is your plot so complete that there gets to be a point in time that six months have passed and you have not left Ant Village? What have you learned about yourself? What skills have you built? Do you want to teach, write, experiment? In Aesop's fable, the ant and the grasshopper, the ant works hard in the summer to prepare for the winter. The grasshopper plays all summer and ends up dying come winter. The call for play is strong and nature is rather unforgiving. We all have a bit of ant and a bit of grasshopper in us. For those that come to Ant Village, you will learn about how much ant and grasshopper is within you. And with permaculture as a tool, perhaps the ant within you can give gifts to the grasshopper within you so that someday you can be more of a grasshopper. All right, a little further down, in the same document it says that I wrote, traffic on and off the lab is limited to twice per week. The Ant Village Project is for people who strive for a lifestyle that will spend months on the land without leaving. This is not something for people that intend to be commuters, nor for people that desire a lifestyle of frequent trips to town. During construction, it's understood to have vehicles bringing materials, but in time, it is expected that access will be limited to foot traffic and non-petroleum vehicles. I like the idea of carpooling, and if somebody is going to town for something, others will chip in five bucks for gas if they'll pick up thus and such. I very much like the idea of moving uh, to something that is pretty carless. We currently have a little pickup we call Ranger Doug. It is possible that we might rent that out once in a while. All right. Uh, now I'm going on to an, the next part. 
yeah. podcast. Did the, you want to talk about the that? The only thing I wanted to add to that is, and I'm not, I don't recall if it's in the rest of your notes here, is Ant Village is, the plots were one acre, but the, uh, the idea was and is that you also have access to all of the rest of Wheaton Labs. Right. So, um, Ant Village is located at the laboratory, which is over 200 acres, and that's just two miles from base camp. And uh, the laboratory's off-grid, base camp is on-grid. But, you know, if you have grazing animals or or want to take out a dead tree for something you're building or whatever, residents had access to that full 200 acres for any of those activities. And down here at base camp, they have access to Wi-Fi any time that they, you know, that's just part of the lifestyle and water and utilities and, you know, uh, there's just, that's just the tip of the iceberg of a lot of things that, that residents have access to as part of Wheaton Labs. Right. And I think it's, there's a lot of details in that thread. Yeah. 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 But, uh, you know, if it's a new podcast listener and they don't know anything about Wheaton Labs or kind of what was available, there's, you know, there's. Yeah, there was a lot. And part of the reason, the biggest reason Ant Village ran in the red is is um, the initial residents uh, also received heavy equipment use of yours, which, right. you know, the, what they paid didn't even cover for the diesel and repairs on the equipment they had access to. Right, right. So, so there's a lot of overhead. Well, and, you know, I, I kind of feel like I mean, when I when I arrived here, I had income from software engineering projects, and uh, from long ago. <clears throat> and then um, uh, they dwindled in time because I was putting more time into permaculture. Mm-hmm. And then when I was on my back, they went to zero. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was glad to put money into the project uh, in the beginning. And then it got to the point that I didn't have that, that money coming anymore. But I did have residual income streams coming from multiple places. But I was yeah. also channeling a lot of that money already to a lot of online stuff. Yeah. Um, but the, the key is is that um, I'm not a wealthy guy. So I've I've had some I've seen some stuff on the internet where you know where somebody was saying something like, "Oh, Paul Wheaton's like you know, no, no, I'm not." <laughs> and uh, and it took me a long time to be able to to buy. To buy this land, it was right. it was years. You lived frugally and saved up. Yes, you. Yeah, that's you know, you know, it's the simple fact. You lived frugally and saved money. The key yeah. is, is Ant Village is ridiculously cheap to get mm-hmm. started on, mm-hmm. and the idea is Ant Village has precisely twelve plots. Mm-hmm. And um, so, like right now, I believe it's up on uh, the site. It says nine hundred dollars gets you more than a year. Um, and that's to get started. But in time, I, I've already stated online, I think it says that the rent for 2019 is a hybrid. It's, um, I think it's $1,600 for the year, but it's 
uh, you get a $400 discount if you have a Willow Feeder that's better than uh, the Chateau de Pooh. And uh, I think you get another $400 discount if your property complies with um, uh, uh, what I can't remember what I called it. I can't remember either. But it's like I've documented it. And so um, uh, integrated beauty or something like that. The the idea is, is that um, I mean, right now there's a couple of plots where people have kind of left a lot of junk out. And, and it's kind of like, you know, if your site's, you know, nearly invisible from the road, there's not a bunch of garbage around, and also, you know, from from above, then right. then uh, it's kind of like, uh, no, that's, that's, that gets you the discount. So then your rent's only $800 for the year. But I did a bunch of stuff to make it <clears throat> super cheap to get started, and I still have been doing stuff to make it super cheap to get started. Yeah. To help to help people get get going. All right. Next, this next thing is kind of like a a, a, a shift in topic a little bit. <clears throat> I'm gonna drink some more water. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Thirty years ago, to get anything published, you either had to get a publisher or part with a lot of coin to publish something yourself. This limited your options to either people that had worked hard for long enough to afford to publish stuff uh, or inherited something, or could convince a publisher who is used to rejecting stuff to publish it. You could send a letter to the editor who might publish, but uh, typically they would insist on some way of verifying the author. Anonymity was generally not allowed. So that's 30 years ago. Um, I've got a note here, related news. Multiple people have pointed out to me that in the last year, natural building... Oh, this is a different topic. So first, first I want to talk about the 30 years ago. <clears throat> so now, of course, we have the Internet. Right. And uh, people publish stuff anonymously all the time. In fact, I mean, I think it's fair to expect that more than half the content, more than half the comments that are written by people on the Internet are corporate trolls. I I think based on what I know from talking to a lot of different people and managing two very large online sites, um, and there have been a lot of amazing and excellent articles out there about people who used to be corporate trolls, and they felt like they had to quit and write about it. Um, usually, those articles stay online for only a few days. And so when one comes up, you better read it right away. Don't mark it and save it for later. It's not going to last. It's a mystery. Isn't that crazy how something like that could disappear? I I think there's a remarkable number of people who um, have been brainwashed by all the advertising and they're inadvertent corporate trolls just because they believe certain things are an easier way or they don't want to change their lifestyle so they would rather say oh yeah just use the weed and feed on your lawn that's easier you know or that's just, the environmentally friendly thing to do right you know there's and oh everyone would starve if we didn't have chem ag because the only way we can produce enough is with chem ag so that's you know people have bought this bill of goods and they keep regurgitating it and not realizing 
some of the fallacies there. So they're inadvertent corporate trolls, I okay. think. I, now, with the things we just said, they were really cringe, cringeworthy to me. So I just want to say these things are absolutely not true. So uh, <laughs> it's it's like uh, there there are uh, there there actually are herbicide companies that are saying that it's the best for the environment and yeah. um, is is to spray herbicides and uh, or or the use of pesticides. It's the best thing for the environment, and they actually right. it's their their authentic marketing material. Yes. Um, and and uh, and then the whole thing that you just said is something that is like such bullshit. Yeah. Uh, and and the thing you know the 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 world will do even better without uh, Chemag. But you know so I want to counter. We were using that as examples <laughs> of the negative. I don't want anybody to to, to accidentally come to the wrong conclusion there. <laughs> Like, oh, Jocelyn Campbell said, or Paul Wheaton said, okay, so, just to be clear, that no, those were examples of awfulness. Yes. So, the moral of the story is, is that, wow, uh, anybody can publish anything now, uh, thanks to the mighty internet. And um, so, all right. Uh, and we still have a written word bias. Like, if it's a written word, it must be true. There's some of that. Um, and of course, uh, and, and in this case, what we're going to talk about today, while there's a lot of anonymous stuff, and I'm choosing to preserve the anonymity of the primary person we're going to address. I, I think that that's the, the good thing to do. But another party is clearly not anonymous. Right. And, and, but we're not going to spend very much time with, on them. Um, but, all right, uh, related news. And, and this is a fascinating thing. And I actually heard about this happening in the 70s. And so I guess it's still going on. And so I've had multiple people point out to me this year that in the last year, natural building and permaculture events have been seeded with so-called students who are paid to do FUD. And FUD is F-U-D, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And so I don't know if that's what – because we, we've had two major events this year. So there was the PDC and the ATC. And there was something off with the PDC. And it carried over to the ATC. Um, and then came the icky video that went out. And um, and then we had the Rocket Mass Heater Workshop Jamboree. And it turns out that it sounds to me, I got the impression that all of the students had seen this stuff, this negative stuff. And, um, and when I saw it, I thought, to me, what it looked like was these people are being really stupid. And they're standing up, waving their hand and saying, look how stupid we are. That's that's what I saw. It's like, that is so dumb. And, and actually, because the whole theme was Paul Wheaton is a terrible person, then um, I kind of feel like um, I kind of feel like any rational person would see that and then being so exceptionally dumb and be like, Paul Wheaton must be fucking brilliant if dumb people are pissed off at him. <laughs> and so... Um, well, in any case... Which is what happened. Yeah. We had everybody who was here came uh, that talked talk to me about it. And it was like pretty much all of them. Uh, that was their conclusion. Like they saw it, and uh, and that was, and they're like, "Well, who's Paul Wheaton?" One of, I think, one of them actually said, "Never heard of him before until saw that video," and then thought, 
Well, then, if such dumb people are saying such awful things, who is this guy? He must be awesome. <laughs> and then bought a ticket to the workshop. Perfect. Yeah. Well, we were hoping the negative publicity would be publicity. You know, uh, sometimes negative publicity gets circulated even more and ends oh, yeah. up working out in the positive for so- the person that's supposedly being criticized. And I think I think it has been a positive and a negative. Yeah. And I mean, like, at the same time, we sold only 20 tickets. And I was hoping we would sell 40. Yeah. And so, um, now granted, the quality was first rate. I mean, whereas the students at the PDC, there was like the seven out of um, 30 students. So seven students out of 30 were just kind of like, what is going on? Why are these students behaving so horribly? And then um, the rest of them were fine. And so, in fact, I, I remember you know other students pulling me aside and saying, thank you for being an adult. I don't know why these people are being children. Um, and so I, what I did was, is, is I, not only did I choose to be out of the PDC quite a bit, um, because I didn't want to exacerbate whatever the hell was going on, because <clears throat> it was clear it was directed at me. But I ended up spending enormous tracts of time in my office answering stupid, stupid questions that came from these children that were full grown. <laughs> so, all right. Um, uh, so, all right. Several people pointing out that events have been seated with students who are paid to do fear, uncertainty, and doubt. I, I'm kind of thinking like, why? Um, I mean, I guess, I don't know, Big Oil or something wants to have people not learn about permaculture? Yeah, that, um, that just seems surprising to me. Uh, I can understand I online. Eight people, but... eight people this year have told me about this wow. factor. And, and several of them have ties into the world of natural building and mm-hmm. permaculture mm-hmm. and have been like saying these other events were also ruined by students. And, and, um, and I don't know how they come up with the idea that they're paid to, to be horrible. Um, but I mean, we're seeing so much of it online. And it's yeah. clear we we have determined for a fact that it's that it's um, you know paid trolls. Okay. Um, so, all right. Yeah. <clears throat> As we explore the things we're about to explore, keep two things in mind. One, the difference between making a suggestion. Uh, and do as I say or else. So we talked about that a little bit earlier. Yeah. Two, how to optimize our systems to reduce drama in the future. Now, I've I've got several things that I've already done, and I've got several things that I need to now do. But I think what we're going to show by going through all of this is I think our systems are already really good, and um, and that what what I have experienced – Really has to do with like I'm I've got more fame than what most most I think if if somebody is listening to this attempted to do all of this stuff that that the amount of drama that they would have would be one one thousandth of of what I've been through it would be it would be practically nothing and and that's because that the person at the center of this that was so upset would just be upset and go. And that would be the end of it. It'd be over. And, um, but, 
you know, I think I think some people have hunger for the spotlight, and um, so they make a bigger deal out of it. I mean, you think about it: if the entirety of the drama was limited to just what we saw firsthand here, I'd be nothing. It'd be hardly anything. I mean, you know, it's still like, why are you being so angry? You know, um, but I guess you're an American. You get to be angry if you want to. And okay. And now you're gone. Okay. So. Well, I do think we have a culture right now, which is, is somewhat what you're going to get into in the next part of your notes. I, you know, we have a culture right now where people are trying to rip the band-aid off what they think is wrong in society. And so not only which are... Which good. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. So people are trying, but in, in doing so, they may be erring on the side of witch hunts in some ways. And, and so it's, it's like no, so no public figure is too good to not be poked at. And. Okay, we, we said we're not going to talk about the Cheeto. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm not talking about that. But. No. no. There's one. <laughs> yes. No, it's, it's just, it's just, I think how this is rippled out in, in, is, is just, uh, surprising to me how it's a weird social media pendulum swing about okay let's just rake through all the ick we can and create all the ick we can yes create ick that, yeah. that's what we're seeing here is yeah. that there was no ick yeah and then uh i've had four different people uh who wanted to support this other party and say well where there's smoke there's fire and it's like unless there's a smoke machine um, which I think is the case here. And it's like, uh, so, but we're going to get, we'll get into that more in a moment. Now, I think the long lines of what you're saying is that a lot of people have learned and they've been trained that, okay, if you want that pair of scissors right there, then you could go and get money through a job and buy those scissors. That's, that's one way. Um, but people have learned and, and they've been so rewarded on this path that it's almost a default. Hey, can I have those scissors? No, those, those are my scissors. That's my only scissors. And it's like, those are my fucking scissors. You stole them from me, you dick jeez. It turns out that bringing in crazy and hostility and stuff like that, a lot of people are like, just take the fucking scissors. Uh, I, I just want a little peace in my day. I'm gonna I'm gonna cave and let you have my scissors, and I need you to just go away and never come back because you're fucking nuts. And so, uh, a lot of the conversations we have with Diana Leaf Christian and community and the consensus model, right, are about this. I, people, um, whoever is the most hostile gets to have their way because the other people just want peace. But eventually, the, the corollary to that was, this is Dinah said, that after like nine years, the community elders are like, we will never do that again. Because now we're just a slave to the most hostile person. And we right. want to make it clear that hostility gets zero support. Yeah. And rational thought and decency are the, are the name of the game. I'm going 
and, and I want to muster all of my arrogance to say, I believe that what I'm offering is goodness and decency and uh, level-headedness and patient communication. I believe that, and, and we're going to get into this towards the end of this podcast, that what was on the other side was, I mean, it's still so much a mystery to me, but it's like there was something else psychologically going on there that is beyond my comprehension, but that it, they were trying things. And, and I know that you have a theory, too, that's different than mine. Well, I, I think there could be some listeners to this saying, well, no, Paul can be really harsh. Paul can be, oh, yeah. Paul can scream at people to get his way. Paul can be harsh. Paul can be awful. Um, and I actually, I don't recall if I'm jumping ahead in the notes by bringing this up, but I just want to get it out there since you were already going there that there are times you are human and reactive. And there are times to make a point where you can be the bigger asshole to make your point. However, I think those are pretty rare. That's why I'm saying, however, after (laughs) nine years with you, most of the time, you are one of the most patient communicators I've ever met. You get frustrated when people interrupt or use fallacies. However, you will patiently listen to every little aspect someone shares, and you expect to be listened to for all the aspects you want to share, too. So you can be an incredibly patient, patient communicator, and you are most of the time. I mean, the first year we were here, you spent 20 hours a week or more listening to community issues, mm-hmm. listening and and um, uh, not necessarily mediating, but managing community, community issues. It was an incredible amount of time and patience. So I've seen you do that. And I think people who aren't as familiar with you, haven't interacted with you as much, might hear you shout once and then just decide, oh, that's how Paul is. And it's not how you are. That's, Thank that's you. what I'm saying. I I think that um, I am fucking awesome, like like 99% of the time. I, I think that um, I think I, I've lost my temper maybe... Um, once or twice a year, and um, and in those cases, it was, I believe, thoroughly, thoroughly justified. Like I tried to solve things, and and these people were, yeah. Anyway, but and I think I get I get a a, a bit of a coupon periodically. Well, for I think everybody should have a coupon for temper and being human. Um, I. Uh, even if it's something that somebody does that's pretty icky, I think people should ha- get coupons for being human. And, and I think that, that I have a stack of coupons that I haven't used yet <laughs> that I've accumulated over the years for being a good boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, uh, those are the two things. So number two was how to optimize our systems, reduce drama in the future. A third thing that can be added... 
is that for each item that we explore, I think it is proof that our systems are currently very good. If a person has to exaggerate or com- create a complete fiction in order to say something nasty, I think that is powerful evidence that the problem is not with the person being pointed at. So, an anonymous post went up on the internet, and it was full of childish, stupid dreck. It is so bad that it contradicts itself. It's pretty clear that it is stupid. And yet, apparently, in this day and age, if some childish twaddle appears on the internet, you are guilty until you can prove your innocence. The full response to this would fill six or seven books. Am I exaggerating? Six or seven books. To properly respond to just that one thing that was written. Oh, um, I don't know, maybe three books, but still a lot. <laughs> so it would take the rest of my life to properly respond to this. And that doesn't even take into account the uh, sleuthing that needs to be done to answer the question, what the fuck happened? Instead, I'm going to make an abbreviated response. So this podcast is intentionally short, and and we, we have to be. By by short, you mean three podcasts, probably. Uh, probably. It's, uh, I'm, you know, to me, short would be less than an hour. This is not less than an hour. This is not going to be less than an hour. Uh, Willie Smits, the wonderful, the, the magnificent, the, the amazing, excellent Willie Smits, has politicians, military generals, and people with doctorates working ceaselessly to stop his work and discredit him. I wish to share 20 stories I know about Willie Smits. And I gotta say that in those 20 stories, Willie Smits is a fucking superhero. And the parties that stood against him were sheer dumb fucks. And sometimes sheer dumb fucks with a PhD, sheer dumb fucks that are elected officials, and sheer dumb fucks that are generals, uh, military generals. Um, uh, Sepp Holzer fought the government and one wealthy woman who wrote a book about how awful he is. Of course, the government has changed their tune and the woman with the book had all of her assets turned over to Sepp Holzer, including her land, which is now where Sepp lives, the Holzerhof. So I mentioned that she was a wealthy woman. <laughs> now she is not. <laughs> Sep, however, <laughs> doing okay. But I mean, like that's a, his first book, The Rebel Farmer, is all about his struggles with all the fines. He was fined. The, mm-hmm. the fines, the dealing with the government, the dealing with all the people that tried to. They tried to institutionalize him for being nuts. Because, you know, he didn't follow the conventional agricultural approach. And so um, I I am not saying that I am on a par with these guys. In fact, one time at the 2012 PDC up in Dayton, Mm -hmm. one of the students said something like, what, do you think you're Sepulter? You think you're as good as Sepulter? And I said, no. And, and, And later I thought of a great comeback. I thought... I have a much bigger website. <laughs> you know. So, but no. Um, uh, in fact, uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned this later, but when I was on Mount Spokane um, 12 years ago, um, it, I I came to the conclusion. I realized that. Um, what I wanted to accomplish 
was um, three times more than what SEP had accomplished. But if I stayed there and I just kept doing the work that I was doing, because I was doing all the work, and you know, and that's not even fair to say. But but you know, for anything that was built, mm-hmm. I was doing all of it. And um, I realized that by the time uh, I died, I would have accomplished 0.8 SEP units. And so it's like, I want to do something. So this is where I kind of got started on the whole community thing. It's like, right. okay, it's in order to be able to do what I want to do before I die, it's going to require community. And that's when I started intensive study of community and trying to solve the great community puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I want to accomplish 10 SEP units. But now that's even fucked up to say because one unit of SEP has gotten bigger than it was 12 years ago because that guy's still doing stuff, right, man. Right, <laughs> right, right. Well, and I like this explanation of what you heard in 2012. Okay. In 2012, I spent 11 days with Team SEP. Uh, they had just recently won the lawsuit. I privately visited with them about the SEP haters, and it seemed like their response to any of that was a wave of their hand and the word jealous. And now, I, I gotta say, I think I saw that 15, 20 times. It's like, they don't even talk about it. They just wave their hand and say they're just jealous. And I, okay, at first I thought this was overly simplistic and possibly even a bit naive. It took five years of stewing on that to see the brilliance. If you really care about people, then ick coming back to you from people you care about will lock you up. So if a person comes to you with ick, or a good person becomes icky, it is most efficient to wave your hand, say a magic word, and poof, it's gone. And you can get on with your life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. I, I'm going to read this, and then I'll understand what I wrote. <laughs> I have one guy with Internet access. He doesn't have a doctorate. He's not a general in the military. He's not a rich guy. Okay, so we're talking one about... One detractor. This one detractor. This one detractor. And, of course, I've got lots of detractors. Yeah, yeah. But the one. I have no detractors on the scale of Willie Smith's or, or uh, Sepp Holzer or Jeff Lawton. Right. You know, so... Um, uh, the general who hates Willie Smiths had put, uh, had a pet orangutan that Willie Smiths freed. So you can see why the general paid big bucks to have Willie's reputation harmed. My guy, I have no clue. I've given him some pretty serious gifts because I thought he was trying to do good things. To this day, I cannot see one thing where he would be this upset, but he is definitely upset. This is a good time to mention the amazingly lovely people that have come here and made amazing contributions. Mm-hmm. More than half the people that have come here have been utterly amazing in many ways. And I, I want to sit here and name them all off and mm. name all the wonderful. I mean, I'm, my mind is reeling with faces and names of people that have just been so fantastic. And we'd leave out some, and then that would feel bad. Uh, I would would feel miserable for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I sincerely enjoy having a lovely visit 
visit with these folks. As much as it's important for me to remember the Breakfast with Spider-Man effect, as a whole other podcast, do you want to explain what Breakfast with Spider-Man is? <laughs> it's, it's, Paul can be a negative Nelly at times in seeing the world's problems that need to be fixed. And he's constantly trying to, I mean, not that he's a negative Nelly about the problems, he sees solutions to the problems, but bringing up some of these things can be tiresome for others to listen to. I think, I think there's a lot of people where it's like they could listen to it all day, every day, which is basically these podcasts. Right. And then I think, but the most of the normal human population, it's difficult. And so, and there, there was a comic strip ages ago in the newspaper that was Spider-Man. And, um, and then Spider-Man's always trying to do way too much, and he's taking on all the world's problems. And so then if you sat down and tried to have breakfast with Spider-Man, he would be a downer on your breakfast as he tries to tell you about the the big fight from last night with, you know, uh, monsters and um, Mary Jane. And the Jane crime lord and, that got away. And, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah and his responsibility. But if he could just work a little bit harder, just a little bit harder. Yeah. But you know who would be really awful at breakfast would be Batman. Yes. Yeah, Batman would be, would be worse. Would that be guy's, that's a broody fucker. Anyway. All right. Yes. There are a lot of people that do not suffer in my company, and I don't suffer in theirs. When we have feast night, I make sure to eat quickly and then move to a spot by myself. In this fashion, I am not doing breakfast with Spider-Man on a captive audience. In other words, I am hosting a sort of party. And I withdraw from the party for the comfort of my guests. In my home. On my property. My life is not as dark and fucked up as Spider-Man or Batman, but it is dark and fucked up, all in an attempt to make the world a better place. Today, we're going to explore a bit of this so that we might improve our overall forward velocity. I still believe we are on the cusp of building a permaculture paradise here. To be brutally honest, and you've heard me say this before, sometimes, and and this is the pot calling the kettle black, because I do this too, sometimes you take a long time to get your point across, (laughs) and the way most people communicate is with loads of little teeny tiny witticisms and lots of interruptions. They're not used to big long diatribes, so (laughs) 95% of the people don't know how to communicate with you. Okay. Um, that's a, okay. That's a, but I, uh, if I'm visiting with Ernie, yeah, that can go on for nine hours. Yes, and it seems like I don't get upset when I talk to Ernie. I don't get frustrated talking to Ernie. I can talk to you for nine hours and I don't get frustrated. There's a lot of people out there where I can talk to him for nine hours straight, and. I don't get frustrated. I don't. They and don't it's get frustrated. Mm-hmm. It's it's everybody enjoys it. It all works out great. Um, but uh, at the same time, yeah, there's there's people where it's like, but but usually they they start the conversation with do as I say or else. <laughs> there's um, that too. Yeah. And and they speak in absolutes. You have to, you know. And um, what was the one the other day? There was there was one. Oh no, I can't cover that one because it's a it's a secret. Okay, but I don't know. I just I didn't mean stated to. stated it as fact. It's fact. Everybody knows it's fact. And it's like, oh, man, can you change it just a little bit so I'll be allowed to have an alternative position without, like, calling you a fucking liar? 
you know, and so, um, all right. Yeah, I didn't mean to derail this, but So yeah. here's the part you felt I should say at the very first, the beginning. Skip this podcast. Go to the next one. <laughs> while there are Too lots. Too late. If they're while, in this deep, they're in deep already. While there are lots of lessons throughout this podcast about community and how ugly human beings can be, I think people wishing to learn more about permaculture would be happier to move on to the next podcast. I mean, a lot of people, they want to hear about culture, natural building, and homesteading little things. But I mean, damn it, this My is friends. hard. This is this is work. Community, the community problem needs to be solved, and this is a very real thing to try to to work through. And and then the other thing is, is that as I go through this, I imagine that everybody listening to it will have heard something similar, but directed it themselves. And so it's kind of like, how do you? deal with this how do you you know what the hell so um i don't i hope people will stick around i hope people will 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 stick because i think it's important and and frankly i want the feedback of the people who actually listen to all of this you know i want to hear that a i am fucking awesome (laughs) you like hearing that (laughs) i do like hearing that and and i get and people send me emails to point that out and use those exact words which is nice Oh yeah, there was a really nice email just the other day from yeah. someone saying keep keep doing you in a, in a, yeah, essence. Yeah, keep yeah, keep being you. Don't don't do what they're telling you to do, and um, which is great. Um, but nice. on top of that, it's like this stuff needs to be plowed through, and we need to come up with improvements to our systems. And and so it's like if somebody is authentically listening to all of my podcasts, especially this one, and they have things to say, I think there's a good chance that they're going to have good suggestions, If especially if they're one of the 12. They're one of my people. <laughs> this podcast is continued in part two. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.